I've increasingly become fascinated by colour. To answer your question, it's like its own universe and it's um, chimerical, it shape shifts all the time and you really can't um, pin it down and it is quite remarkable the way we relate to colour. Welcome. Today I've been uh, waiting to have a conversation with Pat Connor and before we get going on this and what he does, we'll just do our uh, acknowledgement and we acknowledge we're land on the land of the Durambal people and we acknowledge the custodians of the lands past, present and emerging. And we, uh, in the spirit of reconciliation, we thank them for letting us have this conversation. That, that last kind of welcome and getting us ready for the meeting talks about the winds and the landscape and uh, that we we're going to be present. So it, it kind of talks about what we're going to be talking about. And when I first arrived in Rockhampton, I was waiting outside of somebody's office and there was this fantastic picture of uh, a mine. I'm not sure if it was a coal mine, maybe it was a coal mine in oil about uh, a metre and a half by a metre and a half um, on a wall uh, and in the middle of these kind of coal faces and it was an open, it wasn't a deep mine, was a, a blue vacuum cleaner and, and I thought hmm that's interesting, I wonder what that's about and then I looked at the side there was a little label, uh, label Pat Connor and, and it belongs to our university and I remember asking somebody in the office, I said them do these paintings ever get moved around the university? And then, and I said, I'd love that one. And lo and behold, a week later, it was being moved around and I had it. So I'm privileged to be able to speak to you, Pat, and um, we'll be talking about art and things. And so, so could you just tell me, so who are you? Hmm. That's a very existential question. Um, Share what you want. I grew up in central Queensland. In fact, I was born um, not far from here in our um, public uh, health system and grew up on the other side of the river and spent most of my early childhood and, um, I guess, young adolescent life knocking about these regions um, mm. and ultimately went off to college, as a lot of people, a lot of people do. Mm. So what took you into the world of art? Have you always been a little kid? painting on whatever you could get, what, what, what has taken you into this world? That's a really good question, Stephen. Mm. Uh, yes, I was always very interested in the visual arts. I think um, people who find themselves drawing and uh, continue to draw often mm. gravitate towards visually creative disciplines. Mm. And I guess um, I could identify with, you know, being one of those kinds of characters. Um, probably also a little bit more introverted than extroverted. I was never going to be on the stage. I'd be the world's worst comedian, I can guarantee that. <laughs> um, but probably was quite comfortable um, mm. observing things. Uh, mm. I get a great deal of pleasure out of looking at things around me mm. and uh, maybe picking up a, a pencil as a young kid was a part of that. Mm. Um, and probably showed a little bit of proficiency, um, sufficient I think um, interest and proficiency for my mother to um, 
to see if I wanted to you know, do a little bit of training. Mm. And I remember going to um, a place on a Saturday morning underneath someone's, uh, a lady's house. It's called the uh, Vanatelli School of Art. And um, I guess I picked up a paintbrush there and in particular mm. you know, started with gouache and oils and um, tried to understand a reasonable method for being able to picture the things that I did see around me. Mm-hmm. And of course, uh, um, I should have told the people that, who, who are watching now, of course, you are an accomplished painter, uh, accomplished printmaker, and um, you didn't just fall into it. So from, from here as the little kid on a Saturday morning, to now becoming both uh, an accomplished in the skill of that and teaching will come back to, what was the journey? Mm. Well, thank you for um, thank you for those kind words. From mm. my point of view, um, sometimes you don't really celebrate all that well their achievements. All you see is the shortcomings. Mm. Um, just uh, recently, one of my students f- finished off one of her oral assessments with the comment that there's always so much more to learn. And um, that's indeed the case. Yeah. After I finished up uh, with schooling here in central Queensland, I went to Toowoomba to do an undergraduate visual arts degree. Mm. And that's where I really got my formative training. And um, I certainly don't regret ever making that decision to do that. It's, mm. um, it's been a really wild and exciting mm. journey ever since. And to now find myself uh, teaching in a BA, I couldn't imagine doing anything else. Mm. Um, obviously, I enjoy the craft. I also very much enjoy being a student Mm. and um, I enjoy being a teacher. So um, I think, you know, with with those interests, uh, I I feel like I'm very lucky to find myself in this situation. Can't imagine doing anything else. In fact, I Mm. really love what I do. Mm -hmm. And uh, of course, the thing with art is it's um, one of the intriguing things. It's about multiple skills. Do you feel that uh, when you started out, and I referred to this lovely big oil painting, um, you probably had other ideas when you were working and trying things. Were, were, did you fall into doing oils? Or, or, and you and I have had a conversation about, we were talking about watercolours. And for me, watercolours, mm. as you shared mm. in that conversation, was, you know, you, you kind of, you make your decision, bang, you're gone. Mm. You either get it right or wrong. There's no mm. way back and mm. were you exploring these kind of things in your kind of formative art years? Uh, yeah, you do, I guess. Um, with respects to the first part of your question as it related to that painting, mm. um, I did have some other things in mind and uh, it was a part of a body of work that was exhibited uh, locally here at our regional art gallery. and. Um, you know, that was a a great opportunity for me. And just prior to that, I had been offered an alternate um, sort of vocational pathway. There was a job uh, working at one of our local central Queensland mines. There were some aspects of the job that were attractive, particularly the remuneration was um, (laughs) significantly (laughs) higher than my pay packet as a government employee. Mm. Um, But there were other aspects of that, particularly the politics around um, being employed by um, a company that digs big, ho- big holes in the ground to extract coal mm. was something of concern to me. And I, um, so that quandary um, really provided an opportunity to ponder a range of different things. And in particular, thinking about not just um, our local economy, 
and how much it's supported by our local industries, including mm. um, the coal fields just um, northwest of here. Um, naturally, our state economy and also our um, mm. you know federal GDP seems so heavily dependent on um, the sale of commodities mm. overseas. Uh, so that um, really kind of microcosm, if you like, that personal experience where um, the ethical considerations were playing around in my head and left a kind of quandary for me, I thought when played out larger in a, more, you know, in a broader social setting, um, wasn't dissimilar. And that provided an avenue for a way of thinking about maybe an exhibition and um, thinking about mm. the... I hadn't really painted landscape paintings in such a long time and there was um, an opportunity to return... I guess, to the landscape, um, using it um, and the, so a tradition of Australian landscape painting as a backdrop for that conversation. Mm -hmm. it's, very, it's very interesting, very interesting. And, uh, and I think I'll just to let the viewers know as well, and, uh, and I recently discovered that you're actually now embarking on a, a, a master of arts. And in, in, in the world of like creative and performance arts, uh, people don't really do doctorates, you know. It, that isn't really the kind of thing they do. They they do the master of. Sometimes in America they call it master of fine arts, I believe, mm -hmm. isn't it? And uh, I see again you're quite interested in that um, societal statement, and you grappling with what is uh, planetary art. Mm. Um, if I was to draw back a little bit from mm. um, the specifics of that question, mm. Stephen, I think for contemporary artists, um, particularly uh, as a result of some pivotal shifts in European and American visual arts practices in the latter part of the 20th century, I'm, I'm particularly thinking around 1968 um, through to the early 70s, things really shifted a lot. And um, I believe that uh, many people in the art world, shall we call it establishments, um, that was mostly European driven, really were kind of reflecting on um, the value of art. Mm. And uh, at that time, there were a range of ways of thinking about it. And some Marxist discourses seemed to be useful as a way of reflecting on how mm. um, gallery systems worked and how that maybe had impacts mm. on the way we understand what mm. those objects are. And uh, I think as a result of that, contemporary visual artists are actually probably more keen than ever to try to make work that is um, reasonably accessible, but more importantly, um, is relevant to people on the street and mm. has some kind of relationship to our contemporary world and our society. Mm. Uh, and um, I, I guess maybe that's uh, more recently reflecting on those things and my own practice, mm. um, trying to develop a kind of cogency and relevance with the work by thinking in those terms. Mm. Oh, that will be something worth following. Mm. Thank you for our first conversation. Thank yeah, you. you're very welcome. Thank you. Hello again. This is our second conversation, Pat. I have a question, a very simple question. What does colour mean to you? That's a challenging one to respond to, Stephen. Uh, maybe a good way of beginning to answer is I can remember at college uh, reading a book and it was very much a part of the tradition of thinking about 
uh, visual arts education. Mm-hmm. What do you put in a curriculum? What do you teach people? Mm-hmm. And there had been this ongoing debate between the significance of drawing and design uh, as a very kind of graphic sort of notion of design mm-hmm. and thinking about colour. And I remember reading that and I knew where my sympathies were and it was um, more about being graphic. That made a whole lot of sense to me. Mm-hmm. And uh, the world of colour, however, was something that I I believe that I... Uh, was challenged by. I always found it a bit tricky. And um, it probably wasn't until I moved back to Rockhampton and met a local artist here who's had a big impact on um, visual arts education and visual arts in the region. And uh, he's a terrific, well, was a terrific colorist. And um, I was able to learn a lot of things from from Peter and Dan's, including ways of thinking about color. Mm. And uh, Particularly at the Bauhaus, there was a kind of, at the time, there was a lot of educational reforms going on um, mm. in and around the war period uh, in, in Europe, uh, so the interwar period. And um, it was sort of like getting back to basics. And mm. things like colour became really key concepts in um, visual art and craft sorts of education systems. Mm. And I think uh, across the 20th century, um, We've borrowed a lot from the Bauhaus and their particular ways of thinking about colour. And Joseph Albers spent quite a bit of time thinking about theories of colour, but also developing his own, but from an experiential point of view. Mm, mm. Uh, when, um, when you first start looking into colour, you come across Goethe and Newton, which is really about optics and physics. Mm. But designers are more keen on how colour relates to colour in a given context. And um, that's right up Alba's alley. And that mm. was far more practical and it made a lot of sense to me. Mm. And uh, I've increasingly become fascinated by colour. To answer your question, it's like its own universe. And mm. it's um, chimerical. It shape shifts all the time. Mm. And you really can't um, pin it down. And it is quite remarkable, the way we relate to colour. And, and I know everybody has their own relationship. For me, it's the... The, the beauty of being able to actually mix those colours. So, so that leads me to the second difficult question. Is, so what do you teach when you're teaching art? Because, I mean, you're going to grapple with all of these things. You're going to be teaching colour. You're going to be teaching form, content, all of these things. So mm. do you have a teaching philosophy? I think every teacher does. Otherwise, mm. they get out of the profession. Um, there's There's two... Two ways I might think about that. You've mm. got your curriculum. So you've, you're being employed by somebody to do something. And for that to have merit, it's got to have an underlying backbone, a structure mm. where there's intent that um, generally there's been a collective to determine the potential benefits of that curriculum. So you're referring to that. But you're also referring to your own experiences and you value add to that mm. curriculum and you effectively attempt to bring it alive through your own experiences. How else mm. can you do it? Uh, but um, I think particularly my years teaching in vocational education, I could see that it was very important to also try to work out where the student was coming from in order to be an effective teacher to them, not just a teacher of the curriculum, mm. but a person that um, is a little bit of a pivot in a conversation whereby um, you can help them begin to unwrap what their own interests are and work out, okay, well, this particular student is interested 
in these dimensions of that craft. And rather than kind of seeing everybody as the same, of course, you, it seems fair in a creative discipline to try to work out how to connect the curriculum to an individual's interest. Mm. Um, and suddenly the whole thing becomes really fun and exciting then if what you're doing is not a performance but a facilitator to try and unlock some kind of uh, dimension within you know, that student who's there because they're keen. And how do you kind of light that fuse? How do you kind of get them on their own journey mm. where um, then you can kind of stand back and maybe provide some subtle guidance, but effectively they're on their way. Another kind of teaching question, do you find that the students coming in, that they're on their journey, obviously, and some will have to acquire certain technical skills. Sure. Uh, some will have a personal project. And then... Uh, uh, I'm always reminded of this, uh, coming from Norway, everything was Edward Monk. Right, yeah. And the only thing people know about Monk is he painted the screen. Mm. But in the 1890s, he had a project of several paintings. He wanted to paint the grammar of the emotions. Mm. Each painting was an emotion. So do you find that you, one thing is that question, so what does colour mean? Mm. But also, do you find you're teaching people how to work with their emotions as well? and how they imprint them? Mm. Probably less so. Mm. Um, being involved in the creative process expects that you're reflective and reflexive. Mm. And I think that's a really critical part of um, developing uh, your own practice. Um, I think it was very much a part of the way we valued early modern art and in particular at that time with the German Expressionists and other mm. um, formative uh, early 20th century movements was uh, valuing of human subjectivity. You know, who's the individual in this strange mm. new world? Uh, I think probably more at the um, latter end of the century, there was less of an interest in um, that individual's insight Mm. From the point of view of them expressing, you know, outwardly their emotions, yeah. um, warts and all, uh, and um, in particular, probably like I noted a little bit earlier in our previous conversation, mm. kind of linking, if you like, those insights about their individual experience—not so much their individuality, but the individual experience of being in, you know, their contemporary world. How do I relate to the world around me? There's, those sorts of things are very similar, mm. but. Um, uh, as a teacher, is it about supporting and navigating a student with their emotions? I think less so. Um, mm. It's about um, developing, I think, a range of different skills that they know they can draw upon at any given point in time, whether that be design mm. skills or understanding creative processes, and um, in particular, understanding critical thinking and how it dovetails perfectly into creative mm. thinking. Mm. Um, and, uh, yeah... I, I think it's less about emotions and probably more about thoughtfulness. My kind of final question, and, and you can see I'm quite interested in that interaction between the teacher and the student. Do you find your students come in and they say, I want to learn this particular skill. Um, I want to learn to um, be a great printer, or I want to print this particular kind mm. of things. Do you find, in a way, the students that are coming through are quite open-minded, to borrow your phrase, or they're the opposite, they're very fixed, and you find you're opening their world? Mm. 
I'd be making generalizations there. Mm. Um, the cohorts that I've had the pleasure of teaching are very diverse, extremely mm. diverse, which is a part of the beauty of it. Mm. Um, all people from all walks of life, ethnicities and experiences um, are in our studio spaces. And it makes for really interesting communities where they begin to mm. have faith in each other, trust each other, and um, you know rely on each other to a certain degree. And uh, you become a part of that process. Mm. Um, no, I think some of our students are very keen on, they make assumptions that you're there to teach them technical things. Mm. I want to learn how to paint. I want to learn how to draw. And that's the foundation of why I'm here. But of course, um, even mm. though uh, that's important to what it is that we do, there are other things as well that we do. And um, sometimes it takes a little bit of time to see the merits of those things. Mm. We were talking about colour earlier. And, uh, you know, initially, you know, I hate being a teacher to start off a, um, a class using theoretical terms. Let's talk about colour theory. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's, students mm. kind of start to, you know, to yawn at that point, don't yeah, they? Yeah, yeah, of course, of course. But unfortunately, it's sometimes it's it's the terminology, it's the meta-language that enables you mm. to think in a way that where you've never been able to think before. And it enables a kind of agility of mind that helps you navigate through that creative process. And before you know it, you're not even thinking really about that the weirdness of the terminology, it's a part of the way that you behave. It mm. becomes central to what you do um, moment by moment in your creative process. Mm. And uh, then, you know, once if you've managed to find a useful way of introducing the terminology, it's only when you begin to apply it does it, you know, does it make sense and does it become a little bit more fun. Otherwise, they're just kind of weird novel ideas, aren't they? Lovely. And... Uh... I'll, I'll close in a moment and say, for me, what you, you do when I look at your painting and your works of arts, for me, you're a great storyteller. And the reason I say that is because through the mediums you use, you make me dream stories. And I, and I love that. Uh, for me, my personal experience of your art is that I imagine myself in those spaces and those situations in dialogue with you. I love it. Thank mm. you very much, Pat. Thank you very much, Stephen. Thank you. Pleasure talking with you. Thank you.